Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck? What what happened? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuckabillies? Wow. That just dropped out on me in the middle. How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. It's called WTF. Welcome to it. If you're not familiar with it, if you're just here for the first time to listen to me and the amazing Genji Kohan, uh, you know, talk about her life, her career, her creativity. You know, some of these uh, these glow interviews are not these are not promotional interviews. This is a choice that you know I made with my uh, producer Brendan to you know talk to the people that I worked with on Glow. But um, we've got some good ones coming up. But this is a full career interview with Genji, and I've got uh, I've got the writers coming up to sort of uh, talk about that process. I've got these showrunners, the creators coming up to talk about that process, and I'm gonna I got Chavo. Uh, Guerrero, the wrestler, and uh, Kia Stevens uh, coming up to talk about the uh, the real wrestling angle of the show Glow. It's all happening in the future, among other people. It's not all going to be about Glow. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pace it out. We're gonna spread them out like professionals. So, thank you for all of the uh, amazing feedback for the show Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I appreciate. All the love uh, for my acting, for my character, and for the uh, the show as a whole. I, I couldn't have, uh, you know, I was I was made better by the people surrounding me and the people around, certainly uh, on the show. And I just watched it. I watched the first five, but I had not watched the second five, which is where my character Sam Sylvia sort of kind of gets a little deeper, gets a little more uh, uh, you know stuff going on, get a little more inner stuff. And uh, it was it was wild. It's wild to watch yourself on television as somebody else. And I know some of you folks are like Marin just playing himself. But am I really? I mean, you guys know me. I mean, I was never that much of an asshole. Look, I was an asshole, but I was not that particular kind of an asshole. I had a little of that in me, obviously, but I was not essentially, you know, that uh, that abusive in that way uh, that. Uh, it seems it's a little muted on the show because the guy's sort of a, a loser. But uh, look, I'm going to bring myself to every role I'm in because that's all I got. I got some chops. I got, you know, I got some experience, but, you know, I'm no wizard. I'm no uh, method man, method actor. I'm no, uh, you, you know, I, I just I can do stuff that's within my wheelhouse. 
And he certainly was. But again, uh, thrilled that all of you like it. And I and watching it, you know, the second half and watching the whole series, which I binged, the emotional component of this show and the sort of, you know, the drive of the entire show moving towards this this team of wrestlers dealing with the obstacles personally and professionally and, and uh, you know, as a team and as a uh, group was very compelling to me. I get choked up watching all the scenes. I get I get hurt watching me as a guy, you know, yell at uh, at Allison or just being the way I am. Like I get I I watch it and I'm I'm tearing up. That's how much distance I have from it even though I was in it. I I just find it to be a a very entertaining and heartfelt show and I'm happy to be part of it and I'm happy that you like it and I'm excited to talk to Genji Cohan today about all her shows and about where she came from. So that's happening. I am uh, I'm doing what I said I would do. I'm taking some uh, it's kind of downtime. I'm just, you know, through the tunnel of it all and I you know I might I might actually have a summer here, but I I do have to get on the cardio. The cardio has to happen. Apparently, I just got my blood tests back and uh, my cholesterol is under control thanks to medicine. But now everything else is normal and healthy except for this one test. I don't know what it was, but it implies the nerve of science, the nerve of, of medical testing to imply that I may eat too much sugar and carbs and I'm at risk for maybe uh, diabetes. The nerve of science. And so I don't even know what that is. I don't eat candy. I don't eat ice cream. I, I think it's like I do consume probably two to three pineapples a week and slathering uh, uh, wasa crackers with uh, almond butter and honey might have a bit to do with it. You think? Maybe that's it. Brown rice is a carb. Whatever the case, I'm just happy that uh, I, I have health coverage. I'm happy that my union has not been destroyed and that it functions, and that they take my money when they take it, and if I make enough money in either the actor union or the writer union, that, uh, you know, I get wonderful health coverage, and I can go in, you know, that day to the clinic and see what's up, and most people can't do that. For years, I didn't have coverage. I was in and out of plans. I was on Cobra, or I was just winging it. You know, I've been freaked out, and I've gotten on to Kaiser, Uh, when necessary i know what it feels like not to have health coverage and after a certain age if you're certain depending what your life is it's terrifying we're all gonna get sick we're all gonna die uh you you would hope that we could live in a country where we could do everything we could to uh to not die uh if it is a medical problem and uh and everything we could to sort of die comfortably with the right care you would think that would be a part of it but uh, I guess what I'm getting at is um, what they're doing to healthcare in this country is, is horrible and it's frightening and it's going to kill a lot of people. It may be 10 years down the line or however far down the line they want to push it. I know there are those people, look, if you can afford it, good for you. Life's working out for you. But if you can't, or if you're old or you're poor or you have uh, pre-existing conditions, I guess the, the idea is like, well, you know, good luck. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way capitalism works is that, uh, you know, we can't afford to, to have the government involved with health care because capitalism needs a turnover. If you're only taken and you're not giving back at some point, we got to let you go. Cynical. It's cynical. Call your senators and express how you feel 
because they are elected representatives. Capitalism uh, does have some flaws, completely relying on the free market as a belief system. For some reason, uh, it doesn't you know, really take into consideration as a belief system, as a dogma, that uh, there's nothing there to, to regulate. There's, there, there's no seven deadly sins. And uh, even if there is, if they're not all consuming, they, it's okay. It's okay in the system. For some reason, they never really take into mind just the malignancy of greed. But, you know, believers are believers. But do call your representatives uh, if you... Uh, if you feel strongly or uh, you're you're sick and, you know, you're going to die or you care about people who are sick or are going to die. And and now it's just going to be a decade long free fall for them. If you care about those people, give them a, give your senators a call. Do it. I've been down the Vietnam rabbit hole. I got a screener of Ken Burns's new documentary. It's a, I believe it's a 10 part documentary on the Vietnam War. That's coming out, I believe, in September. I'm preparing to, to have a conversation with Mr. Burns. But, man, did I not know. You know, that is not my generation. You know, I, 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 knew, there was a, I knew it was a bad news. Uh, and I knew that, you know, it changed everything, everything culturally. And uh, man, I just, I did not know the history. And it's just mind-blowing that some of the same fights that we were that we were fighting culturally then that started then are just continuing now where does it all come from uh greed and uh ego and uh the powell memo that's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can Google that. That's all I'm going to say. Not going to get too, uh, too deep into it, but do, you know, take action. Tough times we live in for a lot of people. So, Genji Kohan, she's a bona fide uh, showbiz genius in a lot of ways. She's created a lot of great shows. Weeds, um, Orange is the New Black. She's been in the game for a long time. She sort of comes from show business. I was uh, excited to talk to her because she doesn't talk a lot. Uh, in these things or two people from what I know and I, I worked for her so and I, I wanted to get the true story as to how I was cast in uh, Glow so I've, I've asked the, I'm, I'm asking everybody who knows so I'll bring it right to the top so this is me and uh, the producer Genji sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases any attention at all there are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics but luckily for us there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time this is basically like the best possible college English class but more relaxed and fun no pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts oh and
you don't do this much, huh? I do not. I think I met you at a thing. What thing? The round table where I was outgunned and out of oh, place. Oh, God. I just remember, like, why am I here? I have not done anything. But you did. You made a show. That's I know, but I'm do. not. I, yeah, but I, I didn't do it at the level that you guys did. You know, What's and I, the level? You still have to write them, produce them, post them, everything. Right. It's but, still all the work. Right, but if you were to ask me about post-production, I'd be like, oh, those other guys did it. Oh, like, really? I'm, well, no. I mean, I did editing, and yeah. I was there, but it's scheduling and all that. I didn't right. do that. I didn't, Neither do we. You know? We don't schedule it. We have line producers. <laughs> right. Line producers. Uh, yeah. Have, and post producers. I was there with the writing, the acting, and the stories, and you know, and the casting, and everything else, but the nuts and bolts of it, like how it works. But the nuts and bolts is you hire people who are really good at their job right. and say, yeah, go do that. When did you learn that? Pretty early on. I got lucky. <laughs> That's the whole trick. You can't, I mean. You can't control it? As a sort of control freak. Yeah. I try to control it, but I've, yeah. I've ha- as a human being, I've had to learn to relinquish. So uh, let's start with a couple of uh, pressing questions. Wait, wait, and I don't usually do this, but what happened with that the hostage taking of the Oranges and New Black season? Uh, Was that the, a real thing? Yeah. The Dark Overlord. Um took the show hostage and we were advised not to pay yeah. ransom because someone else had and they still released them. Right. Um so they're untrustworthy thieves. Oh. And they're not, they don't even uh, uh There's abide. no honor among those thieves. No honor. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um but the fortunate thing was they only got the first ten out yeah. of thirteen. Yeah. So now it's like a cliffhanger for anyone who watched Did, the bootleg. Really? Did, but I mean yeah. how many people really do that though? I Hopefully mean, not a lot. And there was surprisingly the fans were amazing. They yeah. they backed the corporation <laughs> over oh, really? the, over the we're dark not... overlord. They're like, Don't do this to the show, <laughs> don't watch. So And it's not easy usually it's not that easy easy to find where that stuff is posted like no. you got to have a certain you know know-how but was there anything did netflix say like you know it, it's not going to hurt us um no they said they describe it as a situation oh. and that they're dealing with it but yeah um what season is this they kidnapped season five and now we're writing season six but again there are still three that weren't pirated so. right and and i i guarantee you very few people watched it I I choose to believe that. Yeah, I, I just don't like. I I don't I don't think that people are that proficient in finding things. It's not like they right. put it up on a uh, an alternate Netflix. Right, it was probably and I, yeah, buried somewhere. It was they, I think somewhere like Pirate Bay. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I'm like giving people the place, but um, I I think people are afraid to illegally download because there's so many bugs and viruses and things sure. like that. So. Yeah, and you and you don't know what list you'll be on or you right. know what you, yeah. So the other question is. Um, Let's start with uh, with me. Uh, how did I get cast in Glow? Because you were perfect for the part. <laughs> you completely inhabit that man. There is no competition at all. Uh huh. Um, and you were amazing, and are amazing. Thank you. Well, what what, what like how do you conceive of things? Because you're obviously you know the 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 ensemble cast that you put together with you and whoever you've de- uh, delegated out. Right, Jen Houston. But I mean, it like it's massive. You know, with with Orange Is the New Black and even this show. Yeah. I mean, there's like fourteen girls, women. Right. And like, uh, it's so important to balance that out. And I guess I was just curious in terms of uh, Glow, because I talked to I talked to Carly and Liz, and mm-hmm. and I know you're all part of it. And that I don't know who else you looked at, 
But uh, what was the element in terms of maleness that had to be at the center of that thing? I mean, honestly, you just took it um, because <laughs> you did. Um, because there, you're that perfect combination of smart and jaded. Yeah, you know, hard edge with a soft center. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you. Uh, you know that era to a certain extent, and, I lived and, it. and was able to. Yeah. You were able to. Yeah, um, and it, it's just one of those serendipitous things when you find the perfect person for the part. You just say yes. You oh. don't you stop looking. You don't. You know, it's, oh, that's it's good. enough. It's and that lucky. happens. Yeah, it does on occasion. All right, so now be, let's. We'll come back to go. I want to talk about show business. Okay. And I'm going to drink more coffee. All right. I, I'm having the most LA drink ever. What is it? I'm having a hemp milk dirty chai latte. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I usually have regular milk, but I was told it's bad for your voice, and this is my big radio debut. So oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that hemp milk. It always it has a, 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 a some sort of weird gaminess to There's me. There's a little sourness. I right. Would say. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it was ever meant for milk. I think it's a stretch. Right. I think. So. Yeah, it's so my first one. you like I, I I talked to you briefly on the set and uh, and then I became sort of uh, fascinated with the idea that you were uh, uh, brought up in show business. I, well, I, I mean, wasn't, as, but as an industry, I mean, you know, the, right? It was it was a very um, div- there was a division of labor in my household. And my dad was in the business, and he did his thing over here. Yeah. And my mother was in the domestic sphere, and and she did her stuff over here, and although she was a writer too. Um. And it, my father's work was always really separate. He'd go off. You grew up in Beverly Hills, though. It's like the last house across the street was L.A. It was so we could go to the schools. But right. yes, officially yes. But but not uh, like a man. You're not living next to. Uh, Carl Reiner or, or anybody, no. N- not in the big houses. Not in the big houses. My and mother w- describes it as Hawaiian modern. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> it had big like. Did it have a tiki rocks. bar in it? No tiki bar, but they did turn the garage into a music room with um, carpet on the ceiling uh, and on the in the corners yeah. for my brother's band, Midnight Fantasy. How did Midnight Fantasy pan out? How did that go? They made it all the way through high school. It was yeah. really impressive. <laughs> Although now they claim the name is Mount Funk because Midnight Fantasy isn't as cool, but it was Midnight Fantasy. It was Midnight Fantasy. Yeah. Everyone makes that bad mistake with mm-hmm. the first band name. So what, what, what part of show business was he in? My father was the king of variety television. The king. That's Just, what they called him? I, I, the the king? I mean, he really... I don't know. He's He's not... He's more biblical than regal, yeah. But um, he did every special award show, variety show, nightclub acts. Um, he has, I think, thirteen or fourteen Emmys. He was the guy. He was the go-to guy. He produced them. No, he wrote them. He wrote them. Yeah. So he's a, a, pro- a big joke writer. Joke, but patter and music, and he knew to, how to put on a show. Yeah. And, um, Where do you learn that? Well, he was a composition major at Eastman. Yeah. Where's um, that? In uh, Rochester. Uh-huh. And he came out of school, and he was in the entertainment corps. Uh-huh. Uh, and he traveled around the world entertaining the troops. But putting together shows? Like yeah, variety shows? Yeah, putting together shows, variety shows. So that's where he learned it. Like Probably. He, like... Well, then he went back to New York, and he was doing like the High Mom show and writing Felix the Cat and Betel Beetle Bailey cartoons and really? things like that. And then he was offered 30 weeks of steady work in California. Um, and that was the longest stretch he'd ever been offered. So my whole family moved to LA. Yeah. And uh, that was the Carol Burnett show. So he started on the Carol Burnett show As a, in LA. A writer. As a writer. Really? Yeah. And how old were you? I wasn't born yet. I was born in LA. 
The Carol Burnett show. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a massive comedy show. Yeah. And he was like, like I, I don't even know how many writers those kind of things. Now, you like some places have a, a dozen writers. I can't right. even. I don't know how many. It's probably were. like three or four. But guys. he also did music. You know the thing that comes out every Christmas with um, Bing Crosby and David Bowie? Yeah, yeah. My dad wrote the counter melody. The Peace on Earth, can it? Oh, really? Because that was from one of his Christmas specials. Peace on Earth. Yeah, yeah. And they were both going at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I guess David Bowie came to him and said, I don't want to sing uh, Drummer Boy and blah, blah, blah. So they quickly ran downstairs and wrote this counter melody, and that became... Uh, and what show was that for? Your dad was It was there? like Bing Crosby Christmas And special. it's one of those things your dad wrote for. Yeah. And he was just there. Yeah. Now, like, does that mean, like, I'm always trying to force this uh, this idea that uh, at that time in Los Angeles and show business, it was a much more intimate business and people hung around with each other and everybody knew each other. Like, did you have people, well, he was a writer, though. It wasn't like you had people at the house. Well, or- well my one access to sort of Hollywood um, at large mm-hmm. was uh, there used to be, the, there used to be the Carl Reiner family picnic every year in mm-hmm. Rancho Park. And it was this crazy potluck picnic yeah. where everyone happened to be in the business with yeah. their kids doing potato sack races. Right. But like Mel Brooks would judge the the makeup contest. Yeah. And, um, oh, God, who would lead science? He's so funny, right? He's Yeah, I think he's got a good sense of humor. <laughs> uh, and, and it was just like sort of this weirdly star-studded yeah. thing. But it was, it was like this annual, not like, it was this annual family. It's a neighborhood thing? That we thing? go to. Um, a neighborhood being Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But beyond that, I mean, we had access to people if, like, we needed to talk to someone from a school pro- for a school project. Oh um, yeah, did you do that? Well, I got into a fight with a teacher once <laughs> over interpreting Michael Jackson lyrics, and I got a signed affidavit from Michael saying that it's open to interpretation. <laughs> you did? I had to be switched out of that class. Well, we were not getting along. Well, what uh, was that about? It was Wait. just she was saying this is what he means in this song. I don't what know. Song she was trying was to be cool. I honestly can't remember? remember. But uh, and I was saying that's not necessarily. You know, I was just sure, sure pushing uh, the envelope. Always, yeah, always. I was not <laughs> an easy kid. So, worried? Did you make teachers cry? Um, I don't know if I made them cry. I certainly made them angry. Yeah, right. I did that too. Depending on the teacher. By confronting them, by being funny or by challenging them, usually. Mostly challenging. I was, yeah. I was one of the, I was very frustrated by being a child. Um, <laughs> and I felt everyone was patronizing me. It's like, don't talk down to me. <laughs> and, I, you know, it made me angry. <laughs> so you, you went above her head and you contacted Michael Jackson's people. I did. People. You had My your dad, dad used to out? write the tours for the Jackson 5. And later he wrote Motown 25 and all that stuff. And, you know, he was in touch with them. Um, Throughout? And, yeah. So I was like, can you do this? <laughs> <laughs> did, what did your teacher say? She goes, that was when I got switched out of the class. Because <laughs> it was just like. You used your connections. I did. I oh, did. that's hilarious. But that, but other than, you know, having certain connections, you weren't and going to the picnic. There no, wasn't. The, yeah. No, it was. Well, there was one. My mom had two poker games every week. That really? So that's post-Mahjong, I guess. There, were, there weren't well, Jews playing Mahjong. I play Mahjong now. You do? Yes, I do. 
Where, where did that come from? Um, it's 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 a cra- It's sweeping the nation. <laughs> Is it really? Oh my god! Yes, I have two games that I go to every week. Mahjong. If I can make it, yeah, mahjong, and it's so pleasing. The sound and the clacking. I used to hear it. My grandmother played with a bunch of ladies in New best. Jersey. Like there would be all th- one night. My grandfather would play poker, and the other night right. the women, like the literally the wives of the poker players, right. would play mahjong. Well, sometimes when I'm playing poker, one woman's house, her f- husband's in the back house playing poker. It's so it's so it's like it, well, I don't know where that became a, like a, a like kind of a new middle class Jewish tradition, but it was right. Yeah, like I remember the and then she had her winnings, and you know we, it was right. always just a, a thing of change. Right. But and then every year there's a new card in American mahjong, which is different from Chinese mahjong. So this is like—is it a hipster Jew thing or is it just I don't a think hipster it's a thing? Hipster, no, I don't it's know just, if it's a hipster. Thing. It's all the, you know, I, as as a working mom, so yeah. I I was always looking in looking for ways to sort of keep up on the gossip and oh, you yeah, know, yeah. play Have dates friends. and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the sisterhood <laughs> was teaching Mahjong and I, I took lessons. And like then the I, Jewish sisterhood. Yeah, yeah. At, at the temple. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I learned to play and then I, you know, I, I had a really regular game, but then two of the women in the game had a big fight and that fell apart. At a Mahjong game? Outside the Mahjong game, oh, but okay. it affected the game. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, what I was saying before was my mom had this high-stakes game on Saturday nights, and sometimes if um, my brothers were out, they couldn't get a babysitter, my dad would take me to this post house and put me in a soundproof booth to nap while he yeah. worked. That was another one of my... <laughs> showbiz yeah, stories? Yeah, showbiz stories. But the Mahjong thing is amazing. It's it's so pleasing. And, really? Yeah. I mean, I just remember the tiles being impressive. It, they're really impressive, and it's also and that, exotic. It's a really good balance of luck and skill. Yeah, I have no idea what it is. Yeah, it's not, it's not like dominoes. Is it more like, like cards? It's a little like gin, rummy cube, yeah. poker. Like yeah. you're making hands. Yeah, I just remember there's a dragon tile. Oh, there's three kinds of dragons: there's white, red, and yeah. And, and I was green. like fascinated with the tiles, but it didn't go much deeper than that. Yeah. It was a, it was always a mysterious. Did your game. mom have cards? My grandma. No, oh, your grandma have cards? I don't remember. Yeah, I think there were were there cards. There's, that's the big difference between American and Chinese. The Americans have short attention spans, so yeah. every year a new card of new hands comes out. Oh, no, I don't know that and they had that. And you play that card for the year, and the money goes to the yeah. Mahjong League. <laughs> Whatever it is, the well, Mahjong but, Association. Yeah, but you can, you can call them. It's like these women in New York, like, why, hello? And you can ask about rules or, you know, <laughs> it's the best. I'm just, I'm glad they're doing something. And actually, you know, if this is going out over the airways, yeah. I'm always looking for a game when I'm in New York because I'm there shooting a lot and I don't have a game. You don't so have a Mahjong game? I don't have a game this is so set funny. up in New York. I, I just, uh, it, it's such a, a, a Jewish thing, memory to me. Yeah. Yeah, but did, you grew up pretty like like in that, right? I mean, we grew up. Well, I mean, not religious, Jewy. but right, middle Jewy. Yeah, <laughs> Jewy, I mean, Jewish as a cultural like identity, your, certainly. Right, your grandparents like are they from the East Coast or what? Yeah, everyone, everyone is. My so, mom's from Brooklyn. My dad's from the Bronx. Um, my dad's side, I think they were born on the Lower East Side. My mother's side came from you know that vague yeah. Russia, Poland. Sure, yeah, I got that. Yeah, that's exactly what I got. I'm going to find out. Did you ever find out? They do some gen- gen- genealogy show that they wanted me right. to be on, so I did the thing. But I they... did the 23 in me. What'd you find? Jew. <laughs> White Jew from but Eastern did, Europe. But that's all that doesn't track to, like, I was hoping that it tracks literally to the it, house. I didn't get that specific. No? I don't know if they can find that much from saliva. No, but 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 did, was it Poland or did, or did you see? It was, you know, it, the hard thing is there were such, you know, the borders kept changing. Mm-hmm. So... 
Hard to know. I don't know. They were. It, it was somewhere with pogroms where they didn't like Jews, and it was cold. <laughs> and so, they left. Yes, and they and left. they went to New York. Yes, and there you go. Yes, that's it. Yes. Well, that's not very exciting. I was hoping for more than that. <laughs> Sorry. Um. So okay. So you're a, a pain in the ass in school, totally. and you pulled favor, and you got Michael Jackson to. <laughs> But were you going to shows that your dad produced? Was, was there something inspiring you? Rare, to... Rarely. Really? And I wasn't supposed to go into the business. You weren't supposed no. to? Uh-uh. I was either supposed to be a professional. What does that mean? Doctor, lawyer. Oh, you know, right. Or I was supposed to marry well. And my mother once told me I should go to Caltech and sit on a bench and meet an engineer. <laughs> that was her big advice. And your mother was, was she an artist too? She, she was a novelist. She wrote yeah. three novels. Were they popular? Um, I think they did well in the 70s. Yeah? Yeah. So and was she writing a lot or no? She was writing mostly while we were at summer camp. She'd ship us off for eight weeks and we'd come back and there'd be a book. Isn't that funny? that My parents did that too. And it, like, it was really so they could have time. It wasn't. I don't yeah. think it was had anything to do with... Our uh, happiness, maybe yours, they're different, but like <laughs> I liked camp. Well, I liked camp, but like there was one summer I went to two camps. Mm-hmm. Like it was like we're going to send you to this camp, and and I was terrified I've to done be that away. With my kids. You have, yeah, two camps. But they like camp. Yeah, my I mean, daughter what? went to three one summer, I think. but it was like things she wanted to do. So everything's so special. What kind of camps now. you go to? Uh, <laughs> clapping camp. You learn to clap rhythmically. No, it was Jewish camp <laughs> in Malibu. <laughs> Yeah. Not too far. So not overnight camp. It, I, are yeah. you, it really a was of, a clapping camp? No, no. There was just a lot of singing with, with clapping combinations. Yeah, and kind of like uh, groovy counselors. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty groovy. I went to a Jewish day camp, yeah, mm-hmm. and then I went to a cowboy camp. Ooh. And I shot guns and fished well, and my made brothers, flies. My brothers had gone to the same Jewish camp, and they were they didn't get into the leadership program because they were probably obnoxious. So they went to a different camp where like they slaughtered a pig and they did you know, all these great, it was, it was the opposite. Yeah. But they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you become part, like at those camps, there's always that one moment where someone finds out you're Jewish mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, you're one yeah, of them. Be yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that definitely happened. Yeah. So when does it? When do you get to decide that you're not going to, you know, go sit on a bench and, and all that stuff? No. Did you? Well, your brothers are. You have two brothers. I have two brothers. They're twins. And one of them's in show business. Yeah, my brother David created Will and Grace. So he's he won an Emmy. Uh, yeah. And you won a couple Emmys. I have an Emmy. And your dad has Emmys. Lots of Emmys. He's the big winner. Yeah. <laughs> but that's sort of amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Is he still around? It's a dynasty. Yeah, he is. He must be He's very terrific. proud. Oh, he is. It's does really he like nice. your shows? Um, he does. There's, there's an interesting thing about the pride thing. He was standing on my brother's set. He was watching a taping one mm-hmm. night, and there was a, a director who shall remain nameless next to him. He created Will and Grace. Your brother? My brother did. Yeah, that was a big, big deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> um, He's doing all right, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and they're doing more now. They are. They, yeah, it's they're back. Doing Ten more. Isn't that odd that that it's happens? I mean, it's nice, but I it's sort of, I mean, do are they starting now or are they just yeah pretend- they're oh, writing? Okay. But yeah. I mean, like, is it picking up where it left off, or are we? Ten- I think they might. I'm not sure. I yeah. think there was there was talk of sort of forgetting how they wrapped up the show and <laughs> going back, or going beyond it and saying, look how life brings right. us back to the same spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But my dad was standing watching his show, and he was next to a director who turned to him and said, "This must be killing you." 
And my father was appalled. He's like, are you kidding? This is what I dream of. This is what all I ever wanted in my life. Why would this be killing me? I want my kids to do better than I do. And it was such a foreign notion to him that this guy would think that he'd be bitter about his son's success. It's a, yeah, it's it a said a lot about the director, I think. I think it, and also maybe about what show business has become in a way. I, I you know, or maybe, I don't know, because it just, that just choked me up for some reason. Because that is like this traditional kind of, idea of like you want your parents to succeed better than you you no, know your children I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. You're right you want your children to do better and so like, it, it's kind of i think it's everyone's idea but there was that idea of people who come from immigrants that 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 kind of goes through you know the generations oh, like sure. you always want them to do better than you unless your parents are selfish assholes <laughs> and feel right. threatened by right. your success right right Right, and, and again, that's why I think it was yeah. more about. But it was, it really. My, are you kidding? That's so great. Yeah. That's no, so and sweet. he's always, you know, emailing me articles. And you were mentioned here, and oh, he's really? Very, very sweet about it. Well, that's nice because I don't think my father's listened to a podcast. I don't, I don't <laughs> think my mother has watched the show. So, so someone, but, but part of she can't hear, and oh, she really? can't get the Netflix to work in her room. I, I don't know what the problem it, it's is. It's a big, it's a big issue. Just the the, the yeah. shift in technology, the 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 next step or two steps that they have to take right. to do anything. It's just too much it is yeah i don't understand that but uh all right so what where do you what do you do in college uh i wander around new york and i where'd entered, you go i went to columbia oh really? that's and, that's fancy that's not like a show business well school. i transferred to columbia i didn't get in at first i started at brandeis which where i did Still not good. want to be fine um <laughs> It was. I had to start at Curry College. Okay, we <laughs> had a very good uh, program for dyslexics, and they were very uh, open to uh, you know uh, people whose parents had a little bread and would. Right. Pay. I wasn't dyslexic. I was you know problematic. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think so, that was problematic. Too. So, but Brandeis is sort of so your Brandeis entry level. Was was lovely in a lot of ways. I met really interesting people. Took good classes. I could not deal with the isolation, at all. It was outside of Boston. The train stopped it. running at 11. Right. I didn't have a car. What was it in like? Waltham. Waltham, right, yeah. right, right. Where an old watch factory had shut down. Yeah. And I had always wanted to go to Columbia. Yeah. And I basically harangued them into letting me in. It's a sister school, right? No. Uh, what, what, oh, Barnard is the yeah. uh, Columbia's uh, other school. Right. right. We were the sixth class of women, I think, to graduate from Columbia. Oh, really? But I just kept writing them every few weeks. Like, look, I run a, I, you know, I won a writing contest. I, you have you changed your mind yet? You want me? You want me? And I hocked them into taking me. Hocked? I haven't heard, yes. I haven't heard that word in a while. <laughs> oh my God! What was it? What's the rest of that saying? My mother used to say it wrong. Oh, something hock me a chinic. Yeah. yeah. Don't hock me a chinic. Yeah. I know. So, uh, all right. So you talk uh, Columbia and letting you yes. in in the writing program. No, I was just I was an, I wasn't even English major. I was in English concentration because I wanted to take so many classes and I didn't want to do them all like in English. And, so you were allowed to graduate with a concentration. And what 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 other stuff was interesting you? Um, I took an amazing shamanism class. Uh, you don't have a shaman, do you? I don't have a shaman, but right. my father had a guru he for did? years, Miss Charlotte. In the seventies. 70s, 80s, 90s, she died at like 103 or something. And he would go every Friday and do yoga and she would walk on his back and then she would, they would talk. And if any of us were going to travel or do something, it's like check in with Miss Charlotte. You have to go check in with her? Or he'd ask. And oh, he'd, really? And bring the message. What did you do? Is, was that an odd thing? Was your mother like, are you going to the lady? No, it was just part of his. My dad was one of those guys. You saw them on corners in the 70s, especially, yeah. of these guys who'd 
moved from New York. Yeah. And they were now like all in white or in a tracksuit of some kind right. and s- waiting for the light. And oh, yeah. <laughs> looking up to the sun to yeah. try to get more tan and yeah. just being so happy they were in L.A. <laughs> and my father loved it. My mother never got over leaving New York. Okay. And um, so he bought right into the whole yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. But it was his. And he'd meditate. I remember there's a picture of me in his um, lotus, like as a little girl lying while he's his eyes are up in his head and he's meditating. Really? Yeah. But he wasn't like a like he was more like the at the beginning of the new agey kind of movement. Yeah. Not like yeah. a hippie. No. 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 Just a part of the the early California lifestyle. Yeah. He yeah. bought in. He liked yeah. it. So we always had to check with Miss Charlotte. Oh, did he have a convertible? Um, no. It's not he that didn't. important, but no. yeah, Miss Charlotte, huh? Mm-hmm. And did you know her? Yeah, I went to Miss Charlotte a few times because she was. Um, what What was her like? What she was German, Charlotte Zutrauen. Uh huh. Um, what was her credentials? Uh, she had been the heir apparent to Yogananda, mm-hmm. but had decided she didn't want to take over the. Right thing, so she sort of I went guess, private practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. So you study shamanism and English and like and, you know, uh, just well-rounded liberal really arts. Really good liberal arts education. Yeah. Solid. It means something, right? Yeah. That's what I did too. Like you want to learn things. You're curious, so you yeah, want yeah. to do things. I, I have d- a kid who's starting in the fall, and it's like, um, just what, go to school. <laughs> and d- what, what, what? How do you feel? Like uh, how old? He's eighteen. He's seventeen. He'll be eighteen soon. Yeah. How's he turning out? He's awesome which makes it even harder to because he just i mean he didn't just he's always been an interesting kid but he's the best company he's really funny he's really smart he's really in the world and he's leaving and he's one he's my favorite one of my favorite people Uh, to hang out with and it's sort of heartbreaking don't you have some other ones i have two more (laughs) my daughter though is leaving in the fall for one semester she's doing um this thing called the mountain school where she's going to work on a farm and take classes. Well, that's good. So I'm losing two at once. But I still have the little one. So are you freaking out? A little bit. Oh, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I, th- I think it's one of the reasons I never had kids aside from constant worry and dread. Right. The the leaving thing. You're oh. built into it. It's, yeah. Now you're going to And if you've done your job, they go on, they live their lives. Yeah. But I like them so much. Oh, I, I like them so much and I like being around them. And How, Do you like your husband? I like my husband. Oh, good. So yeah. you guys will be. Yeah, <laughs> and we still have we still have the the, the caboose, and he's he's yeah. got a few years. But like my question is like when you see like you're I think you're younger than me, but like there there was uh, I know you are, but like there was this kind of compulsion when when we were younger to to learn about stuff like that. You know, the '60s were still not that far behind us, and there was this interest in all these different things. And I don't know anything about kids that age now or that, that compul- because there's so much available at all times. It's all available at your fingertips. Yeah. It's a different, and, and school, but schools haven't adapted to that yet. Mm-hmm. There's still, and I guess there's benefit They're in like memorization. Our they, they just haven't. Yeah, made they it. haven't quite gotten to <laughs> that. But, and, and, you know, classic, ed- classic quote unquote yeah. education is still the norm. Some places are getting more progressive, but. Everything they don't have to research the same way we did. They right. don't have to seek things out. Yeah. It's all available. What's he interested in? Well, that's the great thing. He used to be a real like science kid and yeah. then he worked in labs over yeah. the summer and um 
realize it's, it's not for him. So he's wide open right now, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I like everyone always talks so negatively about that generation. And I like and I want to have hope and I want to feel but like he, they're, they're the generation after millennials. Oh, my so, kids. so now so, so they're awesome. They're, they're analog. <laughs> they're back to yeah, analog. Yeah. It's like, I think, Gen Z. Oh, really? Yeah. And how are they different? Do you think? Um, I think they're left. Theoretically, uh, they're less Selfish. centered. Yeah, they yeah. want to. They're workers. They they want to help and they want to yeah. get involved. Yeah, sensitive. They're they're back. At, they're they're they've gone through the narcissistic right. tunnel and now we're back at. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I I hope so. Jesus. So all right. So what happens? Because like you know, I guess what I want to track a little is you know how one. Yeah, you know, I've I've talked to other people in show business, but you know in terms of becoming a producer from a writer and stuff where does that start when did you graduate and then what you come back out here i came back out here i didn't mean to i drove across country with a friend and i thought i'll get off somewhere and i'll waitress and i'll write a novel you did all the things yeah so you wanted to write fiction yeah i and i i'd had success writing fiction in college like i I, when i was out of money i'd enter contests and get two hundred dollars (laughs) and really like short stories short stories who's your favorite writers I mean, I love Cheever and I love um, Charver and I love um, Cheever. Did you ever see the? Did you ever see that ad- that film, the adaptation, The, the swimmer? swimmer? I didn't see the film. How was oh. it? I love it's, the story. It's it's, it's it's brutal. I don't know because I see the story so clearly in my head. I don't know if I want to. Well, it's Burt Lancaster, yeah. I think, playing this. He's just like this weirdly empty, beaten kind of guy. You know what? Actually, I'm wrong. I did see it. Now that you said Burt Lancaster, yeah. And yes. it's, it's a very weird kind of movie yeah. like because you don't really put it all together that he's swimming through, you know, the wreckage of his life right. in some way. And it's just, it's kind of devastating. It's a weird little movie. It's amazing. Cheever. And who'd you say? Uh, Carver. Oh, yeah. I liked, I, I liked writing short stories. I, I tried to play writing class. I was told I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... So you were gonna. Your romantic vision was like, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just get out and live an American right. life, right, amongst the people, right, and write, uh, you know, you know, heartfelt, earnest, dark. I don't stories. know necessarily earnest, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> were you always comedic? Uh, I think I'm better on the page than in person. <laughs> I think I think funny and I write funny. Yeah. Because um, Carver's. I, Carver makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, heading into what you ultimately did. Yeah. Right? I mean, I read everything when I was younger, so I think there's influences from all over. But not like you weren't like a Philip Roth thing? Was that more of a guy thing? I read Philip Roth. I read, you know, and Morgan Stern is a great character. And, you know, it's fun to hear about the other side and the yeah. masturbation. and. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what you guys do. Yeah, what you guys do, <laughs> which I've learned about. A lot. <laughs> you got a son time. now. I have two sons. Yeah. So yeah. They're very fond of their penises. Yes. <laughs> but why not? Why wouldn't you be? Mm-hmm. So okay. So you don't get off in middle of. I don't get off. I come back to L.A. I'm working back with your parents uh, for like two weeks, and then I take my bat mitzvah money and I get an apartment. Um, yeah. You put that you were able to do first, last, and security with uh, the bat mitzvah money? I don't think. Yes, at that point. I, tr- I found some old uh, Israeli, I found some old uh, US, uh, the treasury bonds. bonds. Yes. They were worth nothing. No. They, they, and, <laughs> I, and I had some Israeli bonds that, like, I think I got when I was born or something that right. I found. They're nothing. They're, they're nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you think like this has been it's been 40 years. No, it's I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's 18 dollars yeah. cuz it's high. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> very disappointing. Yeah. All right, so where'd you get the apartment? I got an apartment in West Hollywood, which was a great little studio, but uh it was down the street from a strip club. It was the one on Sunset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yeah, near the comedy it, store, the one that has the nude. Girls 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 18, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem was I was working and I would come home late and the entire street was parked up and I'd be so exhausted and I'd be circling and crying. <laughs> so yeah. that that leads to stripping if you're not careful. Exactly. Circling and crying. Exactly. <laughs> but I can't do pole. You can't, you can't, so I, you know, I have almost all the elements. Um so yeah, I was living there and I was working crappy jobs and I was in show business? Um no. Uh I worked at a I wrote the blurbs, restaurant blurbs, the LA Weekly for a little bit. I worked at I Love Juicy, yeah, which was a, a vegan restaurant in Venice. Oh um, my God, you drove all the way down there. Well, I wanted to get part of my when I moved back. I wanted to know the city, so right. I was, and and also at that time, my goal was I was going to be a spoken word performance artist. What year is this? Eighties, ninety one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was when the the slam poetry thing was. Starting. It wasn't so much slam poetry. Like in New York, I was I was obsessed first. I was obsessed with Joe Frank in the dark, like the radio thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the time of Laurie Anderson and Eric Bogosian uh, and Spalding Gray and yeah. all these people who could sit on a stage with a desk and capture an audience for two hours. That, like Spalding, I saw him do swimming to Cambodia I and Monster yeah. in a Box. I think. Was, he was I went astounding. to everything, and I worked in a performance art gallery in Tribeca called the Franklin Furnace. I was the intern, really, and so that was going to be my thing. I was going to be, and it's such a bad idea because I'm really nasal, I'm blinky, I'm not comfortable on stage, <laughs> and I much rather hide behind fiction, and yeah. it's so exposed. But at that time, um, that was the big goal, and it was. Um, so I was working at a performance art magazine downtown called High Performance. I, I was, remember that magazine. Yeah. And yeah. then in the Valley I was the reader. And then in Venice was the juice place. Um, and I was running around. And then eventually. Did um, that really translate here? There was, I mean, were there people doing that in L.A.? Like at that level? Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. Chris Burden was out here, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and. uh because like, like seeing Spalding or, or yeah. Eric or well, they like, would all come through town, and right. certainly Joe Frank was based here. Um, I just started learning about him. I learned about him through Ira Glass. Oh, and I was it, obsessed. Yeah, I was. It was like the beginning of a, a certain type of radio. It was right? amazing. And I lived in New York. I didn't get housing senior year, and I lived in a welfare hotel, mm-hmm. and it was just this not not a happy place. So, but I I sit in my room where I had contact papered every yeah. surface, and. Um, and I'd listen to Joe Frank um, through a station in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. And I was in love. I, yeah. I just, Did you I ever was, meet him? No. He's still around. I Someone know. just emailed me that I should interview him. I got to get up to speed on him. I'm very bad at getting, I don't know where in people find time to do anything. Yeah. If you don't do it when you're that age, like where things are planting, like now as we as we get older, it's like, I don't know, who the fuck has the time to do anything? But it's hard because you have to keep inputting to, yeah you do and and i feel like there's a deficit right now i need to definitely input more because my output is you depleting. get tapped out yeah like i and i get belligerent too as i get older because everything seems like a pain in the ass like you know you want to go to the museum I'm like oh, what is this right right 
<laughs> right. And how do you force yourself? Well, yeah. Well, could, also, there's so much to watch on television. I, I can't even, I don't even know how, like, I, I do a bunch of material on it in my stand-up now mm. about that. Just being like, you know, like the idea that people tell me if I, ask me if I've seen a show and not only have I not heard of the show when they tell me where it's on i don't know what that is right what is that right. i'm like i'm not my parents but there's another thing but well, i don't think everybody knows all that stuff everyone picks their thing and they do it well that's how the i mean i know how my, my kids don't care what platform it's on right it's just, i know i want to watch this where is it right and i'll go wherever it is there's not necessarily brand loyalty on this all right thing. so so performance art decide right, not to right. I, and Joe then, Frank so you got yeah. a brain full of uh, I, I love all this stuff but um, but it's gritty stuff you like yeah yeah and just stories I mean but stories are primal you know it's, yeah it's um, yeah what, what, what do you mean I just think when my kids were babies yeah I remember they'd start I had an ama- I have an amazing nanny who um was the, a master of distraction. Yeah. And they'd start to get fussy or moody and she'd say, did you hear about the puppy? And like start telling the story and they'd switch and it was the power of narrative. Yeah. it's And it's something so basic. It's like, oh, I want to hear what happened with right, the puppy. Right, and, um, and, and we all love stories and yeah. I think that's the explosion in podcasts. So many are just, you can sit and listen to stories. Yeah. Um, I guess it's always been that way. What yeah. else do you have? It's, it's like oral me a tradition. Story. Tell me yeah. a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, apparently um, they found a campfire site from millions of years ago, and they found popcorn kernels. <laughs> like people had been eating popcorn and sort of watching the fire show and telling stories, Hanging which out. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> popcorn is eternal. So you realize that you know it was storytelling that you were attracted by, not yes. not getting on stage. No, engaged. I'm not, I'm not a performer. But right, but engaged storytelling. Yes, I mean because Jesus, like between Eric and Spalding, I mean oh. that is some manic business. Yeah. You know, and later like Danny Hawk, and um, there were a lot of people. He did more characters, right? right? I, I kind of like I didn't like. Well, Eric did characters, but he never got that no. far away from himself. He was a storyteller, and Spalding was a genius storyteller, and Laurie Anderson was like out there, out kinda, there, like, it was, ethereal. It was kind tone. of an amazing, and and Karen Finley was shoving potatoes up her ass. You saw that? I didn't see it. She, she was w- a little earlier, right? Yeah, but she and she had been at the furnace and she'd been places that, right but i hadn't because like by it. the time you were there it was already your the the original crew it's because i got to new york in the 80s and like you yeah. know you're on the lower east side and you're like this is where it happens it's yeah. like well it happened right you know now there's just a repetition of people trying to hold well, on there to was the some interesting shows oh, of course yeah 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 i saw some wild shit there um so when do you start getting into show business when I, you know, the whole rebellion thing again, when I'm told I can't. <laughs> right. But yeah. like, but you, did you tap out on like, you know, chasing the poetry dream and that kind of stuff, spoken no, word stuff? I, I just, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I was working these weird jobs and then I, I, I was PAing on some things. That's always the entry point, the yeah. PA thing. And I, uh, I PA'd for Jay Tarsus because I had been obsessed with the Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Yeah, it was my favorite show. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and he was just grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> just like uh, dumb ear heroes. Yeah, right. so um, my I was seeing someone at the time whose friend was having success in showbiz. His friend from summer camp. Yeah, and I said, oh, I maybe I should try that. I've always written. Blah blah yeah, blah, yeah. and. He told me, you have a better chance of being elected to Congress than getting on the staff of a TV show, which was all I needed. Yeah, yeah, a good a fight. Yeah, I yeah. left my job, 
And I moved up to Santa Cruz for a little while. Um, one of my best friends was um, studying for her medical boards. And at UC Santa a, Cruz, she had gone to yeah, yeah. She was trying to get into medicine. That's such a trippy little town. Yeah, and she had a little house, and we'd go to coffee shops, and I'd work on my scripts because I, you know, taped things off TV and watched them. So you're working on spec scripts. I'm working on spec scripts, and she's studying for her boards, and now she's a doctor, and I'm still right. No, but <laughs> you're <laughs> both doing all right. Yeah, we're doing okay. Yeah, um, and then we just have sort of hippie adventures in Santa yeah, Cruz, sure. which was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I came back with these specs. Yeah, for I had, what? I had a Seinfeld and a Simpsons. Yeah. And um, my ex-sister-in-law's father gave them to my first agent in an elevator. They worked in the same building. Uh-huh. And he read them. Second and use of connection. Yes, Michael exactly. Jackson, defense, and this. <laughs> and my ex-sister-in-law's father. <laughs> um, and then he said, I can't do with the animated. And so uh, then I wrote a Roseanne. And he sent me out. And I was on staff by spring. For who? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That you were in the room. first job. Really? Yeah. That was a big show? It was a big show, a happy stage, a miserable upstairs. Really? It was a Which rough... means the writer's room? Yeah. It was a rough room. That's yeah. what it's called, the upstairs? Yeah, I, I guess. Know. I mean, in that configuration, the writer's room. But, that, but that's one of those stories where, like, because I got guys who wrote on Marin who were, you know, sort of veterans of rooms. Yeah. And, you know, there was a period there, and I imagine it still exists, but probably not to the degree it did, where the showrunners could be just fucking monsters. The the showrunner at the time was going through divorce, so he never wanted to go home. So and he made everybody stay. We stayed forever. He was a little bit of a drinker. I don't know if he knew this, but someone on staff was peeing in his tequila, and he kept getting the flu. <laughs> Um, oh my god it was not pretty that is, that is not a good writer's room no it was there was a lot of really messed up stuff and having had that experience I felt like I need to write my own stuff like I'll right right then I knew I knew I wanted a side door or something um, but you knew did you learn that first job the the way it worked how people because like it becomes very clear that like well the showrunner's the job the creator's the job right you know you're not gonna, careful what you wish for right right but <laughs> but like you know that's the career you mm-hmm. know to be you know just a staffer you know for life is is rough it is rough and um and i knew i wanted to have kids yeah and it was not going to happen unless i could control the production yeah so what what's the next job so I write a pilot um, about 20-somethings, and I get hired onto Friends. You did? Yes, first season. And I was literally put in the, the copy room at a little de- and snack room at a little desk. And I was the age of the characters, and uh, you know the showrunners were older. Yeah. And I was full of enthusiasm, and, and I gave them everything I could, and, and I got fired. <laughs> For in the, like within the first season? Yeah, at the end, yeah. Why? Do you know? Um, and you didn't do a script? I did do a script, and I should have taken it to arbitration because they took my name off it, and I'm really upset about it. But um, look, you learn along the way. Um, it's like, that's the, that, yeah. that's the other thing about writing, is that, the you know, because even when you, like, there, the, it is really, you know, people write, the way it works is you know the outline process, and then you, you break down, you break the story, the outline process, and then it's assigned, right? And then it like can be like re taken away. Right, it, like, right. It's, it's very hard it to credit people properly. Yes, and I think people don't understand that just because someone's name on, is on a script, 
Like I hear in Ryan Murphy's camp, they just take turns putting their names on scripts just to get paid that week. You right, know? and it's that seems fair, but it's still yeah, a little weird because weird. because really it's a it's a collaborative effort all the way Very through. Much so. I mean, you should just list all the writers on everything, but then you know people don't get the right, right insurance. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. All right, so you do the friends thing, and that and doesn't it was, work. Yeah, and it sort of soured me on the whole show business thing. So I went to Nepal to trek. <laughs> Really? And I had researched online, which was the very beginning of online. And I was going to meet up with this group. And I show up and I'm like 23. Yeah. And everyone's in their 50s and 60s. Uh-huh. But they, you know, they had a good pace. And I would <laughs> <laughs> I would walk on my own and then meet up with people for dinner. And I heard all about their grandkids. And <laughs> I realized that showbiz wasn't out of my system because I wrote a Fraser in Nepal. In Nepal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so you weren't you didn't get the spiritual yeah, enlightenment. I I loved the walking and it was pretty and it was exotic. Um, but I I needed to continue my real life. You I did, guess yeah. I don't know. Well, you want you wanted to win show business. I wanted to win show business. <laughs> yeah. And did they make the Fraser? They didn't. It all the specs. They never made specs. Mm-hmm. It was some. It was a legal thing. Specs were to show that you knew how to copy the voice. Right. Of. Um, oh, that's right. I guess that, that yeah, that they time. wanted to see that you could write. Right. And what I started doing every year was writing pilots while staffing on shows. Um, but when like, I got back, like I got- Like a stack of pilots? I have, I think, 15 or 17 pilots in a drawer. You got to keep buying your lottery tickets. Yeah. Until, but when I got back, I got the best job from that same, I think, 20-something script of my life, which really taught me that- Rooms can be healthy yeah. and productive and creative, yeah. and that was for Tracy Ullman on Tracy Takes On. How'd you meet her? Um, she read my stuff. I got called in for an interview, and I got the job. You know, that, as a writer. Yeah, and it was a great staff, a lot of veterans, a lot of and truly funny. And, and that was sort of an exciting show because was she was great. this versatile performance artist. Really, she was phenomenal. Yeah, she and that was the thing. She deli- everything you gave her, even if it wasn't going to make it. Yeah. She she delivered and every Wednesday we'd read through the scripts out loud and yeah. read through the sketches and I was soon relegated to stage directions cuz I would tank everyone's jokes including my own. I'm not an actress. Yeah. But um it was healthy and it was happy yeah. and it was we work 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 and then you go home and you have your life. And yeah. I was also obsessed with um, Domino's at the time, so I was leaving work and going to Venice to play with the oh really. Guys so you've the got a thing courts. for tile games. Well, I learned on Fresh Prince yeah. how to play, yeah. and I I got really into it. Yeah. So I went down. I I was looking for a game. Yeah. And <laughs> and I found one at the basketball courts in Venice, um, and it became like this whole thing because theoretically, if you keep score, they let you sit down next. Yeah. And they kept taking my seat and not letting me sit down. Uh, and then finally, I kept coming. They let me sit down, and I could actually play, and I knew all the slang because I'd been taught right. on Fresh Prince, and uh, <laughs> I was quiet fire. Uh, <laughs> Character. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And I met amazing people, and it was also uh, during OJ and all that stuff. It was a really interesting time. To, to hear be. the uh, reflections on the yes, street? Yes, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and what, yeah, what, what were there arguments? Um. I, uh, in that community, it was. A, it was. Can, can I swear? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So you know, we'd be sitting, and they'd be talking about, it, and they'd be like, "Motherfuckers, guilty, blah blah blah." Yeah. And then cops would pass by, and they'd yell, "No justice, no peace." And <laughs> right. it was just okay. <laughs> um, and that game yeah. ended actually because um, 
they kept breaking tables because when you had a really good bone, you'd slam it yeah. sometimes. And the rec department just stopped replacing the tables. And that's when the and game went sort away? Of, it sort of so, so on Tracy, like, what, what was like? She was a good leader. She was amazing. She was amazing. She, we, you know, everyone would talk for a long time, and then we we'd figure out our theme or whatever, and everyone would go off and write. And as I said, on Wednesdays you'd come back, and she'd perform all the sketches out loud with the writers as the other parts, and there'd be wine with lunch. Yeah, and um, and she made everything come alive. And and this is like really dealing, but that that's a a, a to. To obviously like thematic or become something you're known for, but that is a woman driving the show. Yes, with you know and dealing with issues totally that are specifically you know women's issues and women's and character. And being in front of the camera, which is amazing, and being hilarious. Yes. All right. So you do three years with Tracy. Are you still in touch with her? Sometimes. She all know, right? She's great. I mean, yeah, she's oh, great. Good, good. And what? So is that? Do you do? Are you a showrunner or just a writer? Oh, I'm the baby in that room. Okay, and. Um, so you get a producer's credit after a year? No, there's a whole pecking order. It's staff writer, story editor, uh-huh. co-producer, producer, right. supervising producer, co-exec, and exec. A lot of those don't entail jobs. No. Right. A lot of them don't entail jobs. It's just a money bump. <laughs> right. And you're climbing the ladder. Right. Yeah. So you were just a writer. I was just a writer. All right. I, I might have gone up to producer. I think I, do, I did. Yeah. But I mean, but your job yes. was you were a writer. Yes. And then what happens after that? Um, I keep going back to Tracy, but I take other jobs in between. Yeah. Um, and I did uh, a, a, a short-lived um, WB show, uh, which was another good lesson sort of because- What was that? Uh, first remember. time out, yeah. I think. You just Jack, took a Jackie gig. Jackie Guerra. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, yeah. yeah. I think my friend Craig Anton was. I, I, mm, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was that was actually a friendly room. And the showrunner lived in Colorado and was going back and forth and trying uh-huh. to make it work. So sometimes he wouldn't be there and the whole room would sort of take turns. Being, Running it. Being yeah, the, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it was very hard to pull off as a, as a quality show, but we all learned how to sort of. Do the job. Do the job, which was really nice. Because the guy wanted to be in Colorado. Yeah, who can that blame worked him? out. It's very pretty in Colorado. That's interesting. So what you know? What was the job when you when you think about it at that moment? Like it's your turn. You just yeah yeah you 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 are the head coach right right in, in the writers room. Yeah yeah. You are saying we're going to work on this now. This outline's missing stuff. You know. Oh yeah and yeah. It yeah. Was, sure. It, yeah. And and it really was fairly democratic. We were wow. We took turns and. They were nice people uh-huh. in that room, um, and I had come out of other rooms that were not very nice. So between he- Tracy and that, it was very healing, uh-huh. especially Tracy as a yeah. role model, incredible role model. Yeah. Um, and then what I, I did, Mad About You, I did A Year on Gilmore Girls. And that was a big show. People loved that show. Yeah. Did you love it? Which? Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls was complicated because it's Amy's show. Yeah. And they forced her to have a staff, uh-huh. and she really didn't want one, and so she would never come in the room. Yeah, and uh, or she'd come in and say, "All right, well, give me some ideas," and then she'd go. And she wrote that show. Yeah, and I felt bad. It was almost like why I understand that the studio wants insurance, but it should have been her her way. It was her show. Yeah, um, it did all it was, right despite that, right? It did great, <laughs> and 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 I th- she took help, but. Um, I, the first year, I don't think she knew how, and right. she was still raging because they sort of shoved the staff down her throat, so it yeah. was a little hard. 
Um, it's always amazing to me that there like are people like when you hear about these guys, like you know, just the fight to keep these successful shows going and right. the egos necessary. It's like I got an ego, but like I don't have the commitment or the discipline to be that. But there's a lot of ways to do it. Oh, I know you do it in a very nice way. I, I, I mean, the third <laughs> the the third thing that showed me how to run a nice show was Peter Tolan. I did. Oh, he's a, like a genius, right? That guy unbelievable really kind but an asshole to the right people right like papa hen you know he kept he protected his staff what was his big thing that made him so like was he oh a, the dennis leary well no before that like he was known guy right yes he was i can't I remember can't like because like yeah either. dennis he did rescue me and he right. did the other one too i think he's worked with dennis a lot but he came from like was it cheers maybe or something maybe i don't know but oh. he was what Fantastic. show was that that you were working on? It was called like Wednesdays, eight thirty, nine thirty Central, or something like that. It had a terrible title, and it was basically a send up of execs, so it was not going over well behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, yeah. But Peter was. It was the first time I got rewritten. Yeah, it was better. Oh, really? Very often, it's it's a lateral move or pissing in the corners. Right. And Peter Tolan was. Uh, a genius and Murphy kind Brown. and fun, yeah. And it's oh, like, wow, everything. he made it better. I understand why. And it was, it was enlightening. And you didn't resent it because it's, it's like, you couldn't argue with it. No. But the first, the first moment was sort of like, well, what's this guy got? And then you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I remember I had written some line about someone's ass. Yeah. I don't even remember what my line is, but he changed it to flat and wide like Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he played the piano in the room and yeah. he was just delightful. So you got lucky with a string I of I got people. lucky with some and then, you know, there were other dysfunctionals. The, the year as I'm mad about you was not a particularly functional year. Was it towards the end or? Um, yeah, mid middle to end. Um, but every year while um, I was staffing, I was also writing pilots. Yeah. And making script deals and writing more pilots. So when was the first, your show? When was the first Genji Cohen show? There was, we, sh we sh there was an ABC show we developed. I can't remember if we shot it or not. Wow. And then uh, there was a CBS show that went for like six, which was a disaster. What was that? It, it was about um, children of adult parents who are divorcing and how it affected. <laughs> and you created it? I did. And you and can't remember the name? It was a terrible experience. Who was in it? Um, an amazing cast. Yeah. It was Judith Light, Robert um, Klein. Uh, one of the Jed Apatow gang was one of the kids. And what happened was I wrote this pilot. Oh, okay. The Stones. Yes, that was it. Jay Burrishell. Yes, Jay Burrishell, who is really fun and has he's, a maple he's leaf tattoo. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, like, I like that guy. And Lindsay um, Sloan, yeah. who we underserved. Um and it just what it so was. what happened was this and it was it was terrible um, it was a Warner Brothers show and I had written the pilot and they had bought it and they felt I wasn't um, seasoned enough and so yeah. they brought on my brother and Max to Max. guide Muchnik uh -huh. uh, his partner to uh, oversee Ugh. and which was really galling because I had started writing in te um, television while David was still an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> but he had this meteoric rise. Your brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, and, and I thought, all right, they'll let me do my thing. And it did not work that way. Did and it, one weekend, they rewrote the pilot. And so now this is causing me. family problems. Huge. And I realized I was intruding on a marriage. 
you know, David and Max were this unit, and it was very threatening yeah. to Max, certainly. And it was, it was a disaster. Uh, and it was, looking back, I should have quit. I should have left. It was totally painful, and it affected my relationship with my brother for a lot of years. Really? Who I was very close with. Oh. Now we, we have breakfast every Friday now. It's good again. <laughs> but it was, it was sort of devastating. Um, and that's when I went to cable, and it was just... I traded money for freedom. <laughs> yeah, and that's with, with weeds. That started with weeds, yeah. Now, how long did that sprint? Was that one of the pilots that you had done? No, oh. I remember I, when I would pitch, I I had a scattershot method. Yeah. And I would, um, how about this? How about this? It was like one-liners. Yeah. Um, and weeds was suburban widowed pot-dealing mom. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, go did, go with it. Go where, with it. where did that come from? Where did that like? What in, do you know? I mean, that's very that's a very uh, Carver like story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure. I was very attracted to and still am the gray areas. I I hated the idea of heroes and villains. Sure. And you know, I'd grown up in L.A. I knew a lot of mom pot dealers. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to a friend's house and opening the vegetable crispers and seeing. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of my brothers tried to grow in his closet for a while, mm. but um, before hydroponics, before the the, the yeah, lights and everything, yeah, yeah. And the the good stuff, yeah. So so that took that took and um, yeah, and and the first year of that was rough um, because uh, I went in saying, look, I've traded my network career. I'm I'm going to do this my way. Yeah. And there was a lot of friction with the network and, and not the network. It was Showtime? Um, Who did it? Yes, Showtime. Yeah, it, yeah. Actually, yes, with the network, friction with the network. And uh, some friction with Mary Louise. And But my attitude was, uh, I'm I'm not relinquishing control this time. This is my well, wait, I mean, how does that friction happen? I, I understand, like, a first season, everyone's kind of, like, looking for their territory and looking right. for their peace and their control and their voice in it, Right. right. But I mean, obviously, it leveled off. But I mean, yes, in success, everything gets better. But okay. until they know, they're up your ass, and it, so because they 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 want to trust you, but they don't. Of course. And in show business, there's no reason to necessarily, unless someone's got an incredible pedigree mm-hmm. of some kind, right? And even then, yeah. everyone has a fluff, right? At one point, but I get notes from Showtime, and I'd write these long emails explaining note per note why I was not taking the note. <laughs> yeah. And I think it got very frustrating. And at one point, I just got an email back that said, fine, do what you want. And I think the intention of it was to say, no, I'm sorry, you. let's work together. Yeah. And I took it as a carte blanche. <laughs> Thank you, I will. It's done. Uh, well, it could have been the other thing. It's like, well, fuck her. Mm-hmm. Let her, let her, let her fail. And we right. wash our hands of it. Right. We Maybe did what so. we could. But you did, you're like, yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. And I had... A great staff. I, I think in, in like if you really think about it, the historically in dealing with executives, if they wash their hands of you, it's usually not a good side. But you just took it as oh, like, it was the best. <laughs> it was the best. Now, okay, there's another question. Like you know, starting with weeds, is that? And this is always a question I have because you know, having the the little experience I had at writing my own show, and also with with doing Glow, which is my really my first real acting job right. on a series, as not me for the most part. Mm-hmm. Is that you know? Because weeds goes a lot of places. Like yeah. I mean, locations. You know, you know, characters. I mean, it's all like literally right. you're crossing continents. Right. Now, 
Do you know that at the beginning? No, no. But some people do, right? Some people definitely do. Some people have a Bible. Yes. And they like, and I always no. wonder who uh, those first people First of all, I never want a Bible because it locks you into things and, yeah. and it should be more malleable. And also you get to know the characters and, you know, and as they yes. evolve and become who they are in front of you. Right. You're like, well, now we know what we can do with this person. Right. Exactly. Because like on Glow, I noticed that like once they got the hang of me as an actor and as a person and what I was doing with that guy, they could write for me because they were still writing. Oh, we heard your voice in our heads. <laughs> you were crystal clear. <laughs> and the sound of you was now had now right. penetrated the cortex, <laughs> yeah. um, which was awesome. I, I do every show one year at a time. Yeah. I'm not thinking about the future. I don't know what the future is. Let's focus on this season, where we're going to end. Yeah. And go from there. And that went for eight seasons. Yeah. And it was great. Everybody, like, you know. It, it was lovely. Yeah. And you were happy with it? You were happy with the way it ended and everything else? Yeah, I was. That's I was. I was sad that it ended. Because you built a real family, right? I, I built a family. I was running the production the way I wanted. And I was, I was experienced enough to know that this is as good as it gets. Right. Like, I'd created an, envir- an environment and a show where... I had learned from mistakes of the past. I had learned from shows what I didn't want to do, what I did want to do. And even though it gets exhausting to keep writing the same show yeah. or with the same characters, um, I knew how good I had it. And I was really nervous to let that go. Did you let it go? Did you stop it? No, they did. Yeah. Um, and eight years is a good run. Yeah, definitely. Um, but everyone in the room was like, quick, quick, write another show because... Uh, when you don't have something on the air, you disappear. It's You're back to zero. And I was panicked. And so while I was doing Weeds, I had gotten orange. And toward the end, when we were doing the finale, I was running up and downstairs to two different writers' rooms, starting orange and finishing Weeds. Yeah. And in a way, I feel like I didn't get to mourn. I didn't have time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of regret that because there's grief with the ending and spending eight years of your life and the whole point of Orange had been to bring the whole Weeds crew over and then we had to shoot in New York and it was really difficult how many went very few because you got to hire local crews yeah um, I had uh, uh, Carly and Steven came on in different Carly the years. co-creator Carly Mack, yeah. of Glow. and Stephen Falk who does You're the Worst yeah who's terrific um, yeah and it was it was sort of heartbreaking, but I couldn't deal with that because there was a new baby. Yeah. And I had to take care of the new baby. And, and then there was a little rivalry between the rooms. You like them better. Oh, really? <laughs> it was, it's interesting. Yeah. And, but that, but so what was the seed for Orange? Orange, a friend of mine had sent me the book to read on vacation. She lived in Brooklyn. She knew Piper and Larry. Yeah. Uh, and I read it and I, I loved the characters. I yeah. love, and I was always looking for these crossroads where people who would never ordinarily meet are forced to deal with one another. That was, and uh, very often that happens in underground economies, like yeah. in weeds, and that's was completely the situation in Orange. And and like, what is compelling about that to you? I love the confrontation with the other. Yeah. I love forcing that. Yeah, because I think it's enlightening. I yeah. think it's the only way you really. Make and, and, and also in these, you know, in the outlaw territories, 
it, it's not you know, you don't have to hide much right because you know everyone knows the truth to a certain degree not unlike an office situation right. like you're always meeting you know new people and having to deal with new people but you have to play by these set of rules right where the you know and honor and the just, business just paths crossing i think we live more and more in a mosaic world and you don't go over your chip, you know, and right. this forces people to deal. I remember getting some criticism on weeds because why do the black people have to be drug dealers? I was like, the white people are drug dealers. <laughs> They're all drug dealers. It's not specific. Um, how do you like the, how much criticism like that? Do, do you, I mean, I don't imagine you get it with orange, but like it, it's like, isn't there like a line with what is fundamentally progressive criticism? Mm -hmm. you, you know, that doesn't take into mind that some things are situational uh, counterproductive yeah. sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, I, I'm not necessarily politically correct. Right. And um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, you know, I want to invest in my shows and my characters and what I find funny and what the room likes. And um, are you getting, are you getting uh, critical emails from the prison population? Not particularly. <laughs> it was interesting because I was visiting a prison where, and I was meeting a bunch of people uh -huh. and they were being very cagey, sort of intimating that they'd seen the show, but they couldn't claim they'd seen it because it, then people would know they had an illegal cell phone. Oh. So it was like, oh, I've heard about that, you know, and, but, <laughs> and we really like it. Um, but then then they couldn't they'd blow their have you gotten feedback from the uh prison comp industrial complex in i mean any way? you know actually interestingly enough a lot of guards watch the show and like it um people when they get out we hear things yeah um, like what well one of the, the scary thing is i have stories don't you want my stories it's like no I yeah can't. right There's yeah a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A legal gray area um but just you really captured it oh good um you did well and other times you know, everyone has a different experience, and some people, that's not it at all. Sorry. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't my experience. Right. It was a different prison I was in. Right. But also, like, you know, like, in terms of dealing with, I mean, I have to assume that you, you are being credited with this, uh, like, you employ a lot of women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, but, but just by virtue of the show, it doesn't feel like a mission. No, it's uh, what I think is the normalization of it. It's yeah. not... And, and before your gender, it's to, it's about talent, right? That's the and I'll take talent in any package. Sure, but you that. wrote a lot of female characters. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, so yeah. Well, so, also yeah. I I had this source material that was in a women's prison. There was and also, I think you were the first to really deal aggressively and and honestly and uniquely with trans you know issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that was a big deal. Yeah, and it was it was it was more accessible than what Jill was doing later. You know, like it, right. it, it, it completely made but sense. But didn't Jill invent trans? No, Wasn't that, no, no. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, according to a, a, a small uh, group, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that. Like the, the weird thing about uh, that about Solway thing is like the story was so bizarre it had to be real. And when mm -hmm. you find out it's real, it's like whoa. You know, like well, it was interesting because. Like a year before Transparent, we'd gone to the desert for like an arts and crafts thing with you our kids. You and Jill? Oh, you. Jill was there and I was there and a bunch of people Oh, you guys there. are buddies? We Yeah, we've known each other yeah, for a yeah. long time. And after the kids went to sleep, we played this game called Family Secrets. Yeah. Where people write things and yeah. put them in a hat and you pull it out and you try to figure out whose it is. And if you can't, you put it back, whatever. Someone pulls out a slip of paper. Yeah. It said, my father is currently living as a woman named Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, my what? God, who is this? This is amazing. <laughs> and it turned out to be Jill. And 
uh, it was a great quote. She said, look, as a child, oh, my God. As a writer, oh my god! <laughs> and it was it was it was fabulous because you could see the wheels were already turning and and yeah. and I th- and she had said you know she was always writing these pilots where a sister was missing or a family member was missing and she said maybe I internalized this and I knew on some level. Um, oh, that you, that there was a denial there that mm-hmm. like it was a, a truth that couldn't be told. I guess, huh? But all right, so. The, the the idea that uh, it, it's not the agenda is not like I'm gonna I'm gonna work with women. This is no, a feminist no. idea. In fact, I was actively discouraged because yeah. I mean, infamously, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I did not have the best relationship with my uh, lead in Weeds, although it got better. Yeah. Um, and the whole room was like, write a show about guys, <laughs> write all guys. <laughs> you gonna? And it was the Desperate Housewives era, and it yeah. was like, you do not want that, that situation. Right. Um, but I'm glad I didn't believe it. Well, what do you, I mean, that, well, that, well, that's a specifically you know male perception of that. Sure. And in, 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 in it's situational, I imagine, like because I, I, it seems that with Orange that you've got another you know, real community there. Totally. You know, and, a, and alumni. It, well, and, we, yeah, we set it up that way. I mean, it was very a lot of it was very deliberate in because um, it was such a huge cast. There's a lot of women, a lot of people for whom it was their first TV job. Yeah. Um, and we set a tone of like this is a group this is a family right. you support each other you compete for the work you know right. competitively in the scenes right and it was sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy and they bonded and they support each other's work outside the show and they make each other better in scenes and um it was it, well, it's amazing well i think that's that's the, the the weird bad rap these ideas that you know women are worse than men with fighting and this and that and and i i don't know any of that i didn't grow up with sisters i don't, mm-hmm. my my only experience with the with a lot of women is on glow glow how did how did it go for you it was great yeah. I, I, because like um i i'm not you know i'm not that uh like right away i, I realized like well i can't sit with them <laughs> oh no no not in a bad way <laughs> But like there was a, an intensity, an energy to you know twelve to fourteen women sure. sitting you know between takes together you know talking like I was just like I'm going to be exhausted. Uh huh. Like, that's, that's not untrue. Yes. Right. I There's mean that was really energy. it was just yeah it was just a matter of me like I got to stay in this guy you know there you know I I'm not get, I don't my boundaries aren't that great right. you know, holding the characters about all I can do and if I go over there I'm just going to be sh- you know emotionally shredded. But that's an, also an actor thing. There are some actors i find who thrive on that energy and others who have to but i also knew that i had to have a certain like that whatever control i thought i had over that situation as a character Mm -hmm. was was pretty tenuous it would be undermined if you were in the middle well yeah because it was already you know being undermined and i couldn't i couldn't admit it (laughs) you you know but i i uh but you know i got to know everybody and it was very it was very moving to me to uh, just because I, you know, I'm uh, pretty emotional, mm-hmm. and that the, uh, you know, just to see, like, if I go to a musical, you know, for no other reason than there are a lot of people singing, you know, I'm crying. Right. So, like, you know, when they got in that ring, even for you know, once the first scene, which is the, you know, the fight with Betty and Allison, that's a real fight. Mm-hmm. I was like choked up, right? Was, because it's intense. It, it's intense, and it has an uh, this the ring has an intensity, right? All right, so how did that, you know, what was the process of, of GLOW happening? So 
I'd work with Carly on both Weeds and Orange, yeah. and I think she's wildly talented. Um, I'm a fan. And she went to work on Nurse Jackie for one or two years and met Liz. And they had watched the documentary. But they knew each other cool. before. They're both playwrights. Yeah, there's a whole, that whole playwriting world of the, community. Yeah, yeah. I've hired a lot of yeah. them. Um, they're great with voice. Uh, you would hope. <laughs> yeah, yes, you would hope. Um, and they watched uh, a the documentary docu- yeah, about right, Glow right, and yeah. fell in love. And fell in love with the women, fell in love with the world, fell in love with the time period. And they're enthusiastic. I'd been hoping... Carly would do a show for a long time and her level of enthusiasm with this. And they wrote a script and I didn't love it. And I I gave my thoughts and they had their thoughts and they didn't necessarily take mine, but the next script they did of it, it was like it all came together. What was it that what was it that was the uh, the I, thing? Honestly, I don't remember yeah. the specifics of it. But, but you like the world. Do you like the idea? I love the world and I felt like that very first draft, I wasn't sure. And then they kept coming back. They're like, no, this is, and we have a vision. This is it. And and they showed me. Um, and and after that, it was like, I'm on board. I'm here. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, like watching it. Is, it I only watched your first five. I don't know why I didn't mm. get to see the other ones. But Because um, they weren't uh, Available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, like, it's like, I have to deal with watching me as an actor and then watching the show. But it, it does kind of, it's. The, the show within the show, the wrestling and, mm-hmm. that, and that journey for the women in that and then the drama behind it, there's something, there's a balance there because like you, you know from doing the other two shows you've done that, you know, shit can get pretty dark sure. and there's no reason like some of this stuff in Glow shouldn't be like, holy shit, menacingly dark but the bigger agenda mm-hmm. of the teamwork and the, you know, the commitment to the to the craft of wrestling and becoming these other people, these superheroes, right. balances out in a in a very odd way. It's good, mm-hmm. but like you're, you, there, uh, there was moments where I'm wondering, like this should be more upsetting, but they're gonna wrestle, right? Right? <laughs> no, it's 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 it's, all, it's that balancing act yeah, always, yeah. because you have to have a dramatic spine, right? Always, and yeah. then you know you sprinkle in, yeah, yeah, moments. And I'm a big fan of slamming comedy up against drama. Well, yeah, yeah, you got to. And Allison's genius. Oh. Everybody's so good. Everyone's so good. And I'm actually impressed that you watch. I know so many actors who can't watch themselves. I've learned to do it. You know, yeah. like I've learned to do it with comedy because, you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm confident in that finally. Mm-hmm. Like I can watch it objectively and yeah, I know. I was going to say, it takes a certain level of self-confidence and a certain level of liking yourself. It takes, yeah, and like and accepting yourself. Yeah. And like over the years, like I can watch comedy and go like, that could have been better. This could have been better. I can make choices. I can watch myself do it and know where I'm at and not, you know, feel horrible. But I used to. Right. But acting's different. Like, because like. When you watch yourself acting, you're in it right then. And you're like, oh, why not? Mm. How come? They, why did just? You know, like, why they cut it there? You know, like, oh, I, I want to rewrite everything when I'm watching. You do? Oh my god! And why didn't we get this? And are the colors wrong? And you know, I nitpick. When we start every season, we do a marathon of the last season. You do. So we go at the writers' room, seven thirty in the morning, and we leave after dark, and we watch the entire season in one go with breaks for lunch and yeah. dinner and breakfast, lunch and dinner and beer. Um, and it's amazing because it's the experience I think some people are having of just being washed in it. And it really gets you prepped to say, okay, we see where we ended. Where, do, where are we going to go Get back here? in it, yeah. But I start watching and it's just like, oh, uh, what was uh, – and you can't fix anything. It's, it was it was very frustrating. But the weird thing about that kind of stuff is like what I've learned from doing this show or from doing the mm-hmm. podcast is that – 
you know, if you, you after it's all done and you having those thoughts, you, you, all you can do is keep it to yourself because you're going to deprive someone else of experience. You, you know, like whatever you decided on is what it is. Like right. I've had people on here that I didn't think the conversation went well and I do the intros after. And after one time saying like, well, I didn't think it went that well. You know, people, they got mad at me for saying that, number one. Right. It diminished their ability to take in it, you know, it, take the conversation in 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 a non-judgmental yeah. way, and and a lot of times I'm completely wrong because how anyone else responds to something's got nothing it's to do totally with your individual. dumb also, insecurities. People don't know what's not there. Right? I mean, you could be in love with a line that you cut, and it's yeah, they, yeah. they, they don't know. They don't know. And, and you don't want to give it to them. That's why I almost I used to have a real problem with uh, you know releasing you know the the the, the songs that didn't make it right. or outtakes or, right. or whatever. They're fun. But it's like, you know, the, the decision's been made. Well, it becomes its own animal. I think it's yours until it leaves the printer, and then it really becomes everybody's baby. Yeah, definitely. It takes a village. So it does. <laughs> so, like, you got this whole, like, I haven't been down to, the, I only went to the one read-through. Mm -hmm. I'm so surprised I wasn't more uh, terrified and nervous. I, 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 no, everyone was, you were a cool customer. <laughs> because, like, it's so weird. I didn't expect it to happen. Like, there's part of me that, like, you know, I had all these ideas of doing all these things when I was younger as a comic. I didn't sure. do a show. And and then somehow or another, like, everything worked out at a certain level in this day and age where, you know, I didn't have the pressure of being a mega star and I had a certain amount right. of freedom. You can freedom. still go get a cup of coffee. Right. But, you know, I did everything I wanted to do. And, like, one of the things I hadn't done was act, you know, in any real way in a series. And it was like a, it was a fluke. So there was part of me was sort of like, okay, yeah, I'll put myself on tape. But, like... It was a relief mm -hmm. that, like, it's it's not on me. You know, I just got to do my job the best I can do it. And then, you know, that... that you were saying... It was interesting. You were saying that when on the pilot, I remember... Well, the first episode. Yeah. I remember you coming back to check the screen. And yeah. Oh, yeah. You were still sort of in producer Marin, head. Like, yeah, you yeah. had to do everything. Yeah. And... I, I may be speaking for you, but it seemed liberating for you when you finally were like, all I have to do is act in my scenes. This is it. I, I'm going to relax now. It's lovely. But I remember you feeling like you should have been right, right. checking yeah. takes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It was weird because like, you know, that's what you do when you're on a show. And, and I was in the show that I was on. So I was always running right. back. Do we get it? Was it no? But that I think that because of that, it did develop a communication with with the writers. And, sure. And and I I didn't have major fights with them. Mm -mm. And 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 I was very they weren't real fights. They were suggestions. And it was good. It was at, good. at a certain point there, the actors really know their characters. You knew yeah. your character, and the writers need to listen because yeah. that person's inhabiting this role, and the actors' instincts about it have to be honored. Yeah. Um, yeah, there wasn't that many, you know, there wasn't, you know, and they were great. You know, they were all great. I, I enjoyed working with them. And there was, oh, but your your office, mm -hmm. that whole place back there. Yeah. Did you buy that building? I did. What was it? It was the Rita Hayworth. It was Hayworth. the Hayworth, Rita Hayworth's dad. Yeah. Uh, it was his building and there were um, dance studios upstairs. Yeah. And uh, at the time there was a tiki restaurant and a theater mm -hmm. for the productions and um, what so kind of shape? Hayworth. It was. It took two years to renovate. Really? Um, yeah. And it's in, like uh, yeah, and, and you shoot stuff there. No, you don't. We don't. Although we're renovating the theater now, so that as be a ready. screening facility. Uh, or live theater. There's a guy from uh, the Improv who's interested in starting his own thing. Uh, oh yeah, we're talking to. So you're gonna like make it available to kind of yeah. lease ish? Yeah, yeah. Uh, although. 
I knew it because when I was a kid, it was the Vagabond Theater, and I used to go there and watch old double features. Uh And so part of me really wants to put in the infrastructure for screenings also. You want to open a revival house? Kind of, but I mean, it's not going to... Not like Quentin Tarantino, not a grindhouse revival, (laughs) but like classic double features? Right. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, there's part of me that's like, I should honor this space and put the movies back. So you're still doing press? I don't do that much press. Yeah. Um, I, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everyone wants to see the actors anyway. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine. That's the other beautiful thing about doing this, about doing press for this. Like, mm-hmm. I went out with, uh, we did a junket in New York, me and uh, Betty and Allison, and I'm like, talk it's your show right right it's <laughs> <You> great <laughs> it's just like i well i saw i watched some footage because you just sit there with a lot of different outlets and like i watched two of them and it's just me looking at allison talking and <laughs> well I was like, she has a lot great. to say it's terrific she, oh it was great but was, you got to get in there you have a lot to say also. no i know i do but I, I like i have to fight the urge because like you know coming from what i come from it's been years of like just pick your moments and shut the fuck up if you can. Right, <laughs> like, you right. know what I mean? Because like as a as a comic guy, you're just sort of like I'm gonna, and then you're like, oh, no, it's just hanging back a That's minute. That's disciplined. But like now with this show, it seems to me that y- you know you only got to really know maybe five of us or four of us in the first season, and there's like so many, like it could go on forever. Yeah, and we don't even know what any of those characters can do That's or where the they idea. can go. Yeah, you want to you want to start this engine that can run. For a long time. Was casting like a, amazing for Glow? I mean, it was amazing. It was, I mean, first of all, I think Jen Houston is great at her job. And she is. She does all the stuff. I've known her since she was yeah, a kid. And she loves <laughs> unusual people. Mm-hmm. She, you don't get the same faces. She, she advocates. She's, um, and then the, there's so much talent out there. Yeah. You give, if you give people a chance, but it was hard in that you know you you're gonna have to go into training. Yeah. It's gonna be super physical. It's so great. Yeah, to watch them all do it. It's yeah. a show about bodies in yeah, a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, and um, I, I tend to think having done so many pilots, um, and and having fought really hard for it, I've really learned that when the process is relatively easy, you go with, it's meant to be. Uh If you are pushing a rock uphill, I don't know, I think the universe conspires to make (laughs) what should be. More difficult, And you've got to listen to that. Yeah. And I know people who are like, oh, it's too easy, this is not good, I don't trust it, but I think... That's when it's great. It's yeah. because it's supposed to be in the world. Right. I know that sounds. That's very back to Miss Charlotte and woo woo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I no, but I yeah. Feel if, that there's way. A, if there's an ease to it, I guess people don't trust it because they think it could always like it's that compulsion that you you seem to manage is, is that you know if you have that drive that's founded in being hard on yourself you're always going to think it can be better or different or like well, that's and, true <laughs> right but like that can pollute you yes, know if yes. you don't uh, delegate yeah you have to delegate right yeah uh and at a certain point you'd have to let go you have to put your baby out i, I forget i forgot the story i wanted to tell you i don't know if you <laughs> know me. it was uh you know because carly and uh and liz are they're kind of nerdy. <laughs> the best, yeah. You know, and I'm like an old monster on some level. <laughs> and I remember I, I I made a couple of decisions about the character right at the beginning, like the glasses, mm-hmm. and that the way he did coke was going to be out of a bindle, right? 
with a key or with a pen. I remember top. you being very specific yeah. about that. But when I told them that, I said it's got. To, he's gonna. He's not. A, he's not flashy. He's a mm-hmm. user. You know, it's it's all practical. And I just went off on this rant, and and they're both looking at me, and I think it was Carly. Just goes, we're so glad you're here. Yeah, yeah, they they were always good girls. Exactly. It's just I saw it in their face. You you gave them a little dirt in their sandwich. I think it's good. It's important. Good, good. Well, it was great talking to you. How do you Lovely feel about it? Lovely talking to you too. You feel you know, good, right? I want to rewrite the whole thing. You but do. I'm good. Like which part? No, I'm fine. All right. Thanks, Genji. Thanks, Mark. What a smart, nice, decent person Gen G is. I was uh, I was happy to talk to her. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. There's a new poster up there from my buddy uh, Chris up in, uh, where was that? It was at, yeah, the Portland poster, right? Yeah, the Portland poster's up. I like it. I like it. It's up there at WTFPod.com in the merch area or whatever it's called. And get on the mailing list. I, I, I will email some stuff. Today, usually it comes out. I email every week. I, I write you all a very nice letter. I can play some guitar. Why not? Why the fuck not? Boomer lives!